0: Good morning guys. Y'all well? Good. Can we just say what another beautiful day we have in Palos Verdes to do church. I mean, come on. This is incredible. So um, really blessed to bring you uh, something from God's Word today as we continue our Advent series. So we're breaking from Mark and uh, we're going to open up the Gospel of Luke this morning. So if you have your Bible, uh, we'll be in Luke chapter 1 and 2, which is obviously a very familiar portion of scripture concerning the uh, the birth of Jesus. So, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because I became a Christian when I was 17 years old. And prior to that, um, you know, I would celebrate Christmas with my family. And every Christmas Eve, I would actually spend it in Palos Verdes at my grandparents' house. And uh, after all the, um, you know, bean dip and, you know, opening presents and all the kind of stuff, and good dinner, cream corn, and my, my grandma was Norwegian, so she made lefse, and uh, she also made lutefish. fish, I didn't touch any of that, but uh, really great food, really great presents, but one thing that we would do is we would open the Bible, and we would read uh, from the Gospel of Luke, and it's so funny because I remember, as a little kid, not knowing anything about the Bible, standing with No teeth in my mouth, saying, "In those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be read." And I just had no idea what I was reading, uh, but we read it, and um, it's so funny because what we're going to be talking today about is, you know, how we need revelation from God's Spirit concerning Christmas. That without knowing by the spirit what christmas is all about it'll probably just be lost on us and i just remember as a child reading the story of the birth of jesus but just straight over my head and so we've got an amazing morning today i hope that last week you enjoyed pastor david guzik as he shared a great message with us if you missed last week no worries we have all of our messages online so any messages from previous weeks you can go to our website and listen to those, but uh, as we continue our Advent series, just as Ben Kai said, I want to remind you what Advent really is about, and it is about the coming of Jesus to the world, and really, as we learned last week from Pastor David, there are really two Advents of jesus one that has already happened that was his first advent when he came in the flesh and was born of a virgin and he lived a perfect life that is recorded for us in the gospels we've been reading it as we've been going through the gospel of mark and um really it's his first advent which is his death burial and resurrection that we are celebrating and as we learned last week again that we We can be rich in Jesus. We can have rich spiritual blessing in him because he became poor. And my prayer for you this week is that you have been claiming that inheritance. You've been claiming that promise in Jesus that you have the richness of Christ. But there is still, as you know, a second advent that Jesus Christ is coming back again Uh, his second coming. There's nothing that is keeping that from happening. It could happen at any moment, and so we prepare ourselves for that, and if you want to be prepared for the second coming, then it's really good to reflect upon his first coming. Really, that's it. If you want to be ready for the second coming of Of Christ then you need to accept his first one which is that he died on a cross to atone for sins that he was buried and that he rose from the dead and when you receive that you then receive the Holy Spirit and live your life in holiness in anticipation of the coming of Christ now one thing I would say is that the promise of the second coming of Christ is one of the most sanctifying truths in Scripture When you get a real sense that Christ could come back at any moment, it's going to cause you to want to live your life in such a way that you are living pleasing to God, that you're living a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And so as we focus today on the advent of Christ, both his first coming and his second coming. We're going to be looking again just at the wonderful story of Jesus in Luke chapter 1 and 2. So hopefully you have your Bibles open there already. Today we're going to look at a not so common aspect of the the Christmas story. Now usually when uh, we hear messages around the time of Christmas. Maybe we hear, you know, the announcements that came from the angels or the shepherds that were sleeping in the field or how Mary and Joseph prepared uh, for Jesus to come, but there was no place for him, and so they gave birth to him in a dirty manger, right? And, and we've heard all of these stories about the birth of Jesus, and especially at this time, you know, those thoughts ought to capture our minds and our hearts and our souls. But today I wanna think about a person in the Christmas story that is often forgotten about. A person in the Christmas story that is often forgotten about. This person played a very important role in the coming of Jesus into the world. And I would say that without his role in the Christmas story and events, there would be no Christmas. This person is totally underrated for what he did in bringing Jesus to us. And I'm not talking about St. Nick. I'm not talking about Mary or Joseph. But the person that I'm talking about is the Holy Spirit. Now, right there, you might have been caught off guard because I've been using this word person. And perhaps you're thinking, who is the person that Christmas wouldn't happen to get Without, without this person, is it, you know, Elizabeth or Zechariah? Is it Simeon or Anna? Is it, who, who is this person in the Christmas story that we're talking about? And then to say that it is the Holy Spirit that is the person I'm talking about may have caught you off guard because we need to understand something about who the Holy Spirit is. You know, in our theological language, what we say about the Holy Spirit is that he is the third person of the Godhead, the third person of the Trinity, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that there is one God who consists in three persons. The Holy Spirit is co-equal and co-eternal with God the Father and God the Son. And so, although God is one, and we can say Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and yet there is still a sense that there are three persons of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and they are distinct. And so I hope that today as we look at the events that surround the birth of Jesus, you would go away this morning realizing this truth, that the Holy Spirit did play a very active role in the Christmas story. And my prayer is that in this Christmas season, that you would allow the Holy Spirit to play a more active role in your story, that you would experience both the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, what he does and how he works in your life. Because listen, the Holy Spirit does have certain attributes about him. He works in a certain kind of way in order that we might experience the fullness of joy. As we sang already, that unspeakable joy can only be experienced by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so we are focusing on that this morning, and I just want to hopefully clear up any thought that some people might have about the Holy Spirit, that he is actually a person. He's not a force, he's not a surge of power, he's not something from Star Wars, right? He is God, and the whole advent of Jesus would not have happened without him. And so the title of my message today, are you ready for it? It's called The Witness and the Withness of Christmas, and if I was that, you know, 6-year-old boy reading the Bible, it would be would have been the witness and the witness of Christmas. So, however it rolls off the tongue for you, that is what we're going to be talking about today, the witness and the witness. I'm messing it up. So, hopefully you got your Bible open to Luke chapter 1. Now, Luke was a doctor who was a travel companion of the apostles. He wrote the book of Luke by receiving eyewitness accounts and testimonies of the story of Jesus. Luke also wrote the book of Acts, which we read a lot about the story. If you're like me, my understanding oftentimes when I'm drawn to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, it goes to the book of Acts. But we see the Holy Spirit taking an active role even in the beginning of Luke. And so where Luke ends, the book of Acts begins. In a sense, you can say it's one continuous book that Luke wrote. And so just where Luke ends, Acts begins. But the Spirit was active at the beginning of Luke. And we need to understand that the spirit was also active at the beginning of creation as he hovered over the face of the deep. And in Luke's gospel, we read in the first chapter how God was bringing someone into the world, a forerunner, someone who was prophesied about actually in the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. And this man was named John the Baptist. He was the cousin of Jesus. He was born to Elizabeth and Zechariah. The circumstances surrounding John's birth are also unique and have a work of the Holy Spirit. It was his dad that was struck mute for unbelief, and it was Elizabeth who had some activity of the Holy Spirit in her womb as John was being born. And so we read in Luke chapter 1, verse 13 and 15, the first mention of the Holy Spirit in the book of Luke. From his mother's womb. And so the first mention of the work of the Holy Spirit in the Christmas story doesn't have to do with Jesus quite yet, but with this man by the name of John. As I said, he was a prophesied forerunner. And so his role was that he was to be a witness of Jesus Christ. He came so that he could tell people that the Messiah was coming, and he prepared a way in order that the people would receive their Messiah in the kingdom of God as it arrived. And so he preached repentance, and he baptized people in the wilderness, and many people in Israel were coming by droves to see and to hear and to be baptized by John. And this prepared so that when Jesus entered into the world, there was already a foundation that had been laid or a a path, if you will, that had been cut. And so John the Baptist, it said in our text there, that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to hang on to that for a moment. John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit from birth. Now as we read further in Luke 1, we see how right Zechariah, his dad, Because of his unbelief, he's struck mute during the whole pregnancy. Any pregnant moms wish that would happen to their husbands? (laughs) (laughs) So complete silence from the dad the whole pregnancy. He can't talk. And Elizabeth has this child growing in her womb, and it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit even from the womb. So there was some activity that was going inside her stomach that was with God. And then, after Elizabeth conceives, about six months later, she goes to visit one of her relatives, Uh, a relative that was probably a cousin or a second cousin by the name of Mary, and Mary was a young virgin, and Mary was also told around the same time as an angel also visited her that she would also conceive and have a child. And so there are these two miracle children that are coming into the world, one in the womb of Elizabeth by the name of John and one in the womb of Mary by the name of Jesus. And Mary said to the angel that comes to her telling her that she's going to have this conception of a child in verse 34. And she says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? (laughs) That's a good question. How am I supposed to have a child if I've never known a man? I'm a virgin. And the angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son and this is the 6th month with her who was called barren for nothing is impossible with God and so we're told that the holy spirit was the active agent in bringing about these conceptions john in the womb of elizabeth and jesus in the womb of a young virgin named mary and so elizabeth and zechariah they were married and they conceived this child But Mary was a virgin. She was betrothed to Joseph. They had not known each other intimately. And so there was no possibility, no possibility that this young virgin could have a child unless a miracle took place. And that is exactly what happened. God did the impossible. The Holy Spirit brought forth a miracle. Now, we often speak about children being born as miracle children, right? Perhaps in the case of Elizabeth, somebody who had been barren her entire life, maybe somebody who, after countless miscarriages, that difficult place that some women find themselves after trying and trying and trying. God brings forth a miracle and a child is born and we call those children miracle children. Perhaps it's a child that's born at a premature age where uh, all the doctors are saying this child might not and probably will not survive outside of the womb and yet that child remains strong and grows and we would call that a miracle child. Maybe there's somebody who was adopted in a way that is just such a God story, where we would say this is a miracle child. Now, here's the thing. The impossibility of John's birth, which we would say is a miracle, a child being born to a barren woman, that is a miracle. But that is a miracle that can be repeated, right? Some people, maybe even you, would say that that happened to me. I was barren. Maybe after so many miscarriages, I finally had a child. That is a miracle that can be repeated. However, listen, the impossibility of the miracle of the birth of Jesus, that cannot be repeated. That was a one-time miracle. So when we talk about miracle children, we, we don't mean it in that sense for Jesus that there is something that is so distinct about the birth of Jesus and the impossibility of it. That, that Jesus was born of flesh by a virgin woman and his father was not Joseph. It wasn't a man of the earth. It was from heaven. God is his father. And the conception that happened in the womb of this young Virgin Mary was a work of impossibility by the Spirit of God. That cannot be repeated. The incarnation of Christ transformed human history, and it cannot happen again. God came once in the flesh. God added humanity to his deity, and that is only a one-time thing, and we look to him. Amen? Amen. So the work of the Spirit in John was one thing, but the work of the Spirit in Jesus was something entirely different, and I, I want you to hang on to that. So John was filled with the Spirit from the womb, but the work that was happening in Jesus, there, there's something entirely different about the work of the Spirit in Jesus. So hang on to the distinction there, because <clears throat> we're going to go somewhere with that. Then verse, or we're going to Go over to Matthew. You don't have to turn there, but I'm just going to read it. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 20 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they had come together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And then later an angel appears and speaks to Joseph and says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the holy spirit so the work of the spirit just to remind you because we're building upon this it's happened in these two children in john the baptist who was born of man and woman and then in jesus the christ who was born of god and woman hang on to that distinction okay we're going somewhere with this you guys all good okay So far, you have two pregnant women. There's been some activity going and talking to the dad, saying, hey guys, don't trip out. (laughs) Some stuff's happening. You know, Zechariah is like struck mute. And then Joseph, in a very honorable way, doesn't put his wife or his betrothed wife Mary away, but protects her. And so now we look in Luke 1, beginning at verse 39 this encounter that happens between these two pregnant women, Elizabeth and Mary. Check it out. I love this story. In those those days, Mary arose and went in haste to the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, her cousin, right? And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, who is John, in her womb, leaped in her womb, From the Lord. So this super unique and powerful situation that happens. And Luke is clearly telling us something about this for a reason. There's a reason he's telling us this. So there's another filling of the Spirit that comes upon Elizabeth, and the manifestation of that coming upon her is that she becomes a witness of Jesus. She spoke and she testified of the fact, right, that Mary was pregnant with the Messiah. Elizabeth could not have testified about Jesus in this way had it not been for the filling of the Holy Spirit in giving her revelation. And even more so, we see John, who's in the womb doing backflips with joy, because he is also in the presence of Jesus, who is in the womb of Mary. I mean, this testimony is really interesting, isn't it? There's clearly something happening in these two women's wombs. You remember the promise made to Elizabeth, right, that from the womb, John would be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit was in John in this moment, two pregnant women in this room, and John filled with the Spirit with so much joy is, as it's described, as leaping within her, like kicks and punches and bat, like this baby is moving inside the belly. Why? Because John knew that he was in the presence of Jesus. And the Spirit of God that filled that womb was a witness to this fact, and it caused this overwhelming, unspeakable joy in John so that he was leaping in the womb. I mean, this is incredible what's taking place right here. There is clearly an activity of the Holy Spirit going on. And so the Holy Spirit doesn't end here in Luke's narrative. We see as he fills Zechariah, And going from being mute, the whole pregnancy speaks forth prophetically by the Holy Spirit at the end of chapter 1. Then you see, as Jesus is dedicated in the temple, that the Spirit comes upon this man, Simeon, and this woman, Anna, as they have revelation of the Spirit that this baby being dedicated at the temple is the consolation of Israel. And and Simeon had been waiting his entire life, and so was Anna, to see this child, and finally they saw it, and then they could just die in peace because they saw Jesus. The consolation of Israel. So at this point, there's a work of the Holy Spirit in filling these people. We see a work of the Spirit in Zechariah, Elizabeth, John, Mary, and Simeon. And in my Bible, there's an indentation anytime these people speak because what we're seeing is revelation by the Spirit of God that these people are receiving. Friends, <laughs> what I am saying, and I I don't know how much of that you picked up on. Go back and read how much of the Holy Spirit is mentioned in Luke 1-2. But listen, this is what I'm saying as we've gone through all of that is that we would not have the Christmas narrative of Luke if it were not for the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in everyday people's lives. Without the witness of the Holy Spirit we, we wouldn't have this story. I mean, these people, let's, let's be honest, they were blessed among people. Mary was a blessed woman to have carried the Messiah in her womb. Elizabeth was a blessed person to carry in her womb, as Jesus said of John, um, the greatest man that ever lives. But there's clearly something happening where the Holy Spirit takes people, everyday lives, and does the impossible so without the witness and the witness of the spirit we would have no christmas how else would these people have conceived within their wombs without the power and the presence of the holy spirit how else would these people testify of a coming messiah the consolation of israel without the witness and the witness of the holy spirit what I am saying is what is also said in 1 Corinthians 2, 3, that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. What I am saying is what is also said in 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen and 14, that spiritual truths can only be interpreted by those who are spiritual. Let me say that again. Spiritual truths can only be interpreted by those who are spiritual, by those who have revelation by the Holy Spirit the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of god because they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned what i'm saying is that you will never be able to comprehend the christmas story if you have not truly received that revelation of the holy spirit i mean you'll just be like me when i was a child reading a story about quirinius Without the revelation of the Holy Spirit about Jesus, then Christmas can be about red and green, Christmas trees and lights, candy canes and Santa. But that's not what Christmas is about. It is about the person and the work of Jesus. And you won't fully understand and comprehend the person and the work of Jesus without the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot confess Christ apart from the Holy Spirit. So as God's redeemed people, if you know Jesus, if you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, and every Christian who has confessed Christ as Lord has the Spirit of God dwelling in them, let's be clear about that. You are filled. You are a temple. You are a vessel of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within you. In the same sense, you could say that you are pregnant with the promise of God, that God's Spirit dwells within you. But Christians, what this world needs is believers who are so bold and empowered by the witness of the gospel because the spirit of God has come upon you. The world needs to see believers who are pregnant with promise of Jesus And for this hill to be reached for Christ, for the South Bay to see the gospel spread in the way that I desire and I hope you desire to be spread, we need this wonderful mystery of Emmanuel, God with us, to be boldly proclaimed through us because the Spirit of God is upon us. It is the Holy Spirit who is the one who will equip you to be a witness. It is him who will be with you to bring fulfillment of joy. And listen, guys, we can decorate our homes. We can put trees in our houses. We can light it all up. We can live generously in this season. Christmas is such a great time to have wonderful meals and experiences with your family and with your friends. But don't you think that what this generation needs, what this world needs, and what you need, and I'll just say what I need, is a spirit-filled Christmas. Do you want that? A spirit-filled Christmas. I mean, this is a time when the world thinks spiritually. They'll, They'll walk into a, Garden that's just lit up, and they're like, Wow, there's such a wonderful spirit here! What an opportunity to testify of the real spirit of God at Christmas. Now, don't think that the Holy Spirit is just one who is at work in the Bible, and we relegate him to Luke chapter 1 and 2 or Acts chapter 1 and 2. The Spirit of God dwells in us. The Spirit of God is active today. He is God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. The Spirit of God wants to be active and moving in ways that we see testified about in Scripture. See, he fulfilled the role of John coming as a witness. And and look at Luke chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Thinking back to, I I told you to hold on to John, right? Right? something about a difference between John and Jesus, right? Go through the scriptures and see that there is clearly something that Jesus brought that John could not bring. There's something that Jesus introduced in the scriptures in the Old Testament that John was not capable of bringing. Luke chapter 3 verse 15 and 16 as the people were in expectation and all were questioning their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. Everyone thought John was the Messiah. And then John answered them all in saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, The, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. In Luke chapter 3, Jesus is baptized by John in the Jordan River, and as he comes out, it says the Spirit of God came upon him. In the entire book of Luke, we read as Jesus walked in the power and the presence of Jesus. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he recognizes how people often think about Christmas where we think about how we wanna be generous and we wanna give gifts to people. And and I love at Christmas time, last night my wife and I wrapped all of our kids' Christmas presents and put them under the tree. There's something so special about giving gifts at Christmas time. I mean, it's, it's one of the best parts of Christmas. And Jesus knows that. And Jesus celebrates that with you. But look what he says in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. If you then, being evil, hopefully you don't take offense to that, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I mean, I know what I'm asking for for Christmas. I'm asking for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We see in Luke chapter 24, verse 46 to 49. And, guys, what I'm doing is I'm showing that throughout Luke, and as we build our way up into the book of Acts, there's clearly a building happening about the work of the Spirit. We read in Luke 24, verse 46 to 49 And Jesus said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. That's the gospel. Christ died, he was buried, and he rose from the dead. And that is the message that we proclaim that began in Jerusalem and has made its way to Palos Verdes in 2020, right? But listen to what Jesus says. He says, you are witnesses of these things. You're a witness of the fact that Christ died, was buried, and rose again. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And as I said earlier, where Luke ends, Acts begins, and we read in Acts 1, verse 4 through 8, there's still some building happening. Things are taking place. Jesus has already appeared to his disciples in a closed room as they are locked away in fear that they're going to end up in the same fate as Jesus. And he comes through the room and it says that he breathes the Holy Spirit into them. It's like, hey, guys, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> I-, I told you I'd raised from the dead. What? Jesus is alive and he's in there, in that room with them, the resurrected Christ as he said he would. And it says he breathes the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes into the disciples. Do you think that when Jesus breathed into his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit, that they received the Holy Spirit? But he said, wait in Jerusalem because there's power coming from on high, that that, there's gonna be power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you so that you can be my witnesses of the gospel. Still at this point, they're hiding in a room, they're fearful, they're inactive, they're ineffective, God is gonna give them their spirit, the spirit of God so that they could be active, so that they could be effective, so that they could be bold witnesses. And that is what happens in Acts chapter one, or chapter, yeah, chapter one, verse four. It says, and while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait until the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. John baptized you with water, Remember, a difference between John and Jesus. John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then verse six, listen to this. I mean, really listen to this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They're asking about his second coming. And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Listen, but you... Will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In all of these promises, in all of these scriptures, what we are seeing is that the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. I know what I want to give my kids for Christmas. I wrapped all their presents last night and we went out to buy stocking stuffers yesterday and my son still wanted more toys and I still bought him another Hot Wheels car. They're only a dollar, that's okay. He really wanted the -the glow-in-the-dark one and I wasn't gonna say no because I'm a father that loves to give gifts to my children. But I'm evil. How much more does my heavenly Father want to give to me the Holy Spirit when I ask him? It's as simple as that. It's a promise from the Father, it's a promise for power from on high, it's a promise so that we could be witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's a promise that the Spirit of God would be poured out upon his people. It's the best gift at Christmas, it is the witness. And the witness of Christmas. I mean, that's all I want. That's all I need is his power to be bold and effective for Jesus and his presence as Jesus promised. Lo, I will be with you always. It's better that I go so that I could send a helper, that he would be with you. Isn't that good? Don't you want the Holy Spirit? Don't you want to live this Christmas season? not forgetting that it's the Spirit that's going to bring about the best experience of what Christmas could be. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this time. God, thank you for this congregation that has been attentive to hear your word. God, I realize that we basically just went from Luke 1 to Acts 2. And there's a lot in there about how you work. But if we can just make it as simple as for a child to understand that there is a good Father in heaven who loves to give good gifts to his children. And if we desire the Holy Spirit We simply ask our Father, and He gives the Holy Spirit. There is no limit to what we can ask of the Holy Spirit. I pray today that no believer would say, I got all of the Holy Spirit that I need at that day that I received Jesus as Christ, and I never ask, or I never seek, or I never knock, or never look for any more of the Holy Spirit. He's just relegated to Acts 1 and 2. He's relegated to Luke 1 and 2. He's relegated to my born-again experience. And, and, and then we kind of forget about him. Holy Spirit, let us as a church, as a community, not forget or neglect your person and your work, Holy Spirit. God, I ask that you would be poured out upon your people, that we would receive you by faith. There's nothing that we can work up. There's nothing we can muster. This isn't happening because Daniel preached a good sermon. This is happening because we have a Father in heaven who has promised to give his children, whom he loves, the Holy Spirit when we ask. So I'm asking you right now, Holy Spirit, come upon me. Lord, let this Christmas be a Christmas where in a greater and a deeper way, I'll be a witness for you. And I'll have you with me. Now, I receive that, Father. Pour out your Spirit upon me. I pray that for my friends here as well today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand up together. Let's worship our Lord. And today, if you want to receive Christ as Lord, and you've never done that, uh, the Spirit has been convicting you and telling you, hey, you should believe in this Jesus. i love to pray with you. I'll be right over here with Pastor Rob, and we'd love to pray with you you just love a fresh filling of the spirit and want to pray with somebody about that do that but let's just let's just seek the Lord let's pray maybe it's you're here with a friend and you just want to lay hands on one another and ask for a greater filling of the spirit this Christmas pray with those that are next to you we seek him and we will find him amen amen